welcome back to the Strange Matters Podcast, where we discuss everything just outside the norm, ranging from the bizarre and unexplained, to the supernatural and paranormal and everything in between. I'm your host for this episode, Eric, joined by my fellow co-host, Sean. Hey everybody. So this was originally planned as a Patreon-exclusive episode only. Uh, however, as a treat to all of our listeners, we'd like to share a sneak peek into one of the topics that we thought was pretty interesting that we covered in this episode, and which was all about cryptographic and coded mysteries. So we have the first part here for everyone to listen to, and if you would like to hear the rest of the episode, as well as getting access to all of our future bonus episodes, please consider supporting our podcast on patreon.com slash strangematters. We hope you enjoy this mysterious topic. Um, so I wanted to start off this episode by saying to all our listeners, you guys are constantly sending us a ton of great suggestions, and these are some really interesting topics, most of which we look into at least briefly. Unfortunately, there's just no way with our jobs and everything keeping us busy during the daytime that we're able to get to all of these suggestions. So please don't be offended if you don't hear your suggestion anytime soon. But please keep reaching out to us. We really like getting feedback and topic suggestions. Yeah, definitely. Always like hearing about people's takes on different episodes that we've covered in the past and ideas for future ones. But as for this episode, we are going to be talking about a few different cases involving cryptography or the art of either writing or solving a cryptic code. Now, these types of mysteries are pretty fascinating as they can be endless source of curiosity and fascination until the codes are finally cracked and discovered, if they ever are. So some codes have gone unbroken for a few decades, while others have been a mystery to us today, even after centuries of continuous failed attempts to solve their riddles. So for our first mystery that we're going to be talking about is going to be one of the more modern ones, and that is the Mayday Mystery. And this idea was sent to, to us by Letty, which kind of got us into looking at all the other coded and cryptographic cases, and basically just led us to putting together this episode. So, thanks a lot, Letty. So, the Mayday Mysteries started back in 1995 at the University of Arizona. During that time, a freshman student named Brian Hance, who was majoring in journalism at the time, noticed an odd advertisement in the local student-run college paper named the Arizona Daily Wildcat. And what Brian saw certainly stumped him and led him down a rabbit hole of strange coded images and messages that would soon become an obsession. So on May 1st, 1995, in the Daily Wildcat, there was a full-page advertisement that was basically a cryptic mix of languages, symbols, and mathematics. And though interesting, Brian initially just thought the full-page ad was some type of weird message written, perhaps by one of the local campus organizations or one of the fraternities. I mean, I know personally, if I was just, you know, reading the old VCU paper or something and saw something like this, I probably wouldn't take it too seriously at first. Yeah, I mean, especially these days, there would definitely be a lot of opportunities and motivation for people to try and publish something weird into a newspaper just for s's and g's you know just to go down in vcu history to say they did it right yeah i guess it's a little more complicated back in the day where you know nowadays we can just put stuff up on the internet but this they had to go back to the newspaper and everything and spread it around so anyway back to brian um so after that first initial sighting 
in which he didn't really take it seriously. One year later, on another May 1st, this year 1996, he was again browsing through another copy of the Wildcat, and once again he saw this strange full-page print in the paper, again showing this odd mix of images, different languages, equations, and hand-drawn scribbles. But still, he just chalked it up to some random project, perhaps from some college wacko or something, and just let it go without putting any further thought or research into it. I think for me, it probably would have taken it at least three times noticing something weird consistently on the same day of each year before I would have thought it was anything of significance. Yeah, I'm wondering if he... I assume he was a regular reader of it and just didn't happen to pick up this one copy on different years. Yeah, I guess it'd be, he had to have some kind of memory to remember an entire year back seeing something similar to this one. Right, but true, at the same time, it's probably not every day that you see something like this, obviously. That's true. So, I mean, just like Eric said, third time's a charm. Turns out it would be the same deal with Brian. So on May 1st of the next year, 97, Brian Hans would see his third May Day page in the paper. And this time, remembering the same odd occurrences happening on the exact same day, the two previous years, he finally was hooked. So at this point, Brian was actually working for the Arizona Daily Wildcat as their webmaster. So he had resources to hopefully get to the bottom of what he was seeing. So Brian now could have easy access to all the back issues of the paper, so he could try to search for any other similar cryptic pages that he had seen in the past three years. And in Brian's own words, at this point, in quotes, I entered the game. So we checked out a number of these ads ourselves, and we thought we'd do our best to describe a couple of them to your listeners, though we do strongly suggest that you try to seek out these Mayday pages yourself online so you can see firsthand all the weirdness. So so the first one was in the paper uh, May 1st, 1995, and this was the first one that Brian actually discovered. As we'll get into detail later, they actually go farther back in time. Um, so this one starts off with SR slash CL, which is a common code that we'll find runs throughout these publications. And then it looks like it's written in... Like German or something? German. Yeah, I was thinking German. And then it says, it, it looks like a quote because it says Ryman and then June 10th, 1854. And anyways, beneath the text, there is a, a map, a pretty well-drawn map. I see the words Cita del Vaticano, which would lead me to think it might be Rome. And then there are some other very strange kind of pictures in here. There's a, a chemical structure um, uh, that, that unfortunately my general chemistry escapes me at the moment. There's a, a picture. I, I should probably know this as a chemical engineer, but... It, it almost looks like a... a beta-lactam chemical structure like penicillin or something. There's a picture of a chessboard, which... It's like two kings, three pawns, one extra yeah, pawn for black. It's, it's hard to see who's winning. I'd give black the advantage. Yeah, yeah, black is up a pawn. And then there's this unfolded box that kind of reminds me of a, a tesseract, which is like a four-dimensional cube. 
And then there's some some Greek symbols, some mathematics, a picture of a ship, and then a picture of some uh, historical figures. So Luther, Cromwell, Calvin, and then Gustavus Adolphus, who I'm not familiar with, but yeah, these guys would pop up in a lot of ads. Yeah, so this is definitely a pretty strange thing to find in the newspaper. Definitely doesn't make any sense. However, at, at face value, this wouldn't jump out at me as something of, of particular strangeness if I was just glancing through. Yeah, I'd probably think of some kind of like art project or just some kind of weird, I don't know, maybe student-led project or something like that. So anyways, that pretty much is the best I can do describing that orally all right so the second one is a few years later and it would be the mayday page of 1999 and in this one again we have a whole bunch of just random weird stuff going on at the same time you have a quote from orwell saying in an age of universal deceit telling the truth is a revolutionary act and then you have a few different images with quotes from different other people you again have this kind of unfolded cube thing with Luther, Calvin, Cromwell, Gustavus again. Interestingly, when you unfold it, it's in the shape of a cross, which is obviously another religious symbol. Yeah. Again, it kind of looks like some type of map maybe in the left-hand corner. More mathematical equations, a globe, possibly coordinates to something. Uh, language looks like oh, some kind of Arabic maybe. And then some musical notes down towards the bottom and one long-ass math equation. <laughs> and then we get this little smiley guy in the bottom right corner. This little smiley figure will pop up in a whole lot of ads. Kind of like his signature marker, whoever it is who happens to be the author behind it all. You assume it's a he. Yeah, well, if that's a girl, <laughs> that's an ugly-looking smiley face, so I just assumed it's a guy. <laughs> So, and then one of the more recent ones, this one was actually published on in May of uh, 2004. Again, we've got the SR slash CL Mayday 2004. Another quote by Leitmotiv, a work that cannot be diminished by death. And then there's a, a grid that seems to have uh, some sort of... It's almost like a big bingo square or something. It, it looks like an, an alphabet, um, but it's hard to say. There's I see a lot more smiley face men in there. Um, and there's the, the cross symbol that's been running through with the names Cromwell, Luther, and Calvin. Some chemical structures. You guys get the idea. One thing that we can't really describe that well orally is the fact that these pictures, as time progresses, get significantly more complex um which is another thing we'll discuss a little bit later on yeah one thing i like about this this one in particular that we're talking about is that the bottom has a quote that says the orphanage directly instructs it says matthias honor the oath and so the orphanage would be a term that we're going to be talking about a little bit later but it's a basically a term that is attributed to whoever is behind this whole thing but we will get into that in a few minutes. But anyway, let's go back to what Brian was doing. Um, so for the next several weeks after he basically began his obsession, uh, Brian just dove into this mystery. He was frantically digging through past issues of the paper to search for more codes and clues. 
So he's able to put together several leads to follow up on to try and find out where these cryptic pages were coming from. And during his obsessive research into this bizarre occurrences, he came across a few interesting discoveries. And along with these full-page ads that always appeared on May 1st of the year, there were also occasionally these smaller ads that would be placed into the paper at different seemingly random points throughout the year. And he would go on to find that this was not a recent trend or experiment, but instead rather found this, you know, these codes in the paper, these advertisements went as far back as 1981, and that this mystery possibly had roots going back even further into the 70s. I think um, Brian actually described these smaller ads that were being published as corrections. However, that would kind of introduce... that. That would make it seem as though the the this mysterious author had made an error, and I don't think that, based on the his communications with him that we'll talk about later, that this guy really seems like he's made any errors. So right, yeah, or maybe just like secondary clues or little hints or something. Perhaps, but it's like why didn't they? Why didn't he? You know, keep along with the consistency of publishing them on May first. Right. Yeah, it does seem like the the May. The Mayday pages themselves are, those are the full page ones that have a whole lot more information. Right. So those are the kind of the, the bones behind this whole thing. So the earliest ad that Brian found record of was published in 1981, and it contained the three handwritten lines, again, SR slash CL, Richmond, in all caps. And then it had a, a string of simplified Chinese characters, and then in all caps, Mayday 1981. And the Chinese characters translate literally as Chairman Mao, 10,000 years old, which is usually interpreted as long live Chairman Mao. And the first line is kind of interesting to me is it, it makes me wonder if it refers to the capital city of Virginia, which is Richmond, where we've lived and where we've attended college at VCU. So. Yeah, this isn't the only... I've, I've since looked up a few other ads that kind of have... A few other hints towards Richmond, so I'm thinking maybe perhaps there is something special about our city that is involved somehow in this whole thing. It's possible, I guess. Perhaps. So there are a number of recurring themes found in the ads, and these include the orphanage that we discussed earlier, which is actually a secret society supposedly behind the ads um, in, in some theories. And then there's those who are referred to as the freaks, and the orphanage. These would be the ones getting in direct contact with Brian later on. And along with emails, he had received mail and notes that were sent to him, which included even more clues and puzzles, as if there weren't enough already. Yeah. He must have been slightly overwhelmed that not only is he trying to deal with the newspapers, but then once he starts putting this whole thing together, he, whoever's behind it is actually directly contacting him and kind of like right. teasing him with even more clues. Right. And then there's also, they they allude to there being a prize, which is an unspecified reward for anyone who solves the mystery, and it's in some safe deposit box in an undisclosed location. And then there's also the smiley guy we touched on earlier. This is a kind of stylized, smiley face-like character who shows up occasionally in, in some of the ads. And... And then there's this SR slash CL, and it's an unknown acronym that has been used in several ads. 
And some people think that the SR and CL are initials for something, whether it be a person, item, location, or, or whatever. It's currently unknown. And I saw one comment saying that they thought SR slash CL isn't an abbreviation, but just a code way of spelling the word circle. So who knows? Could be anything. It's not. There's not really enough to, to go off of there. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I imagine perhaps the other million clues play into it, and perhaps one could deduce the meaning of it if they were able to piece all these puzzles, puzzle pieces together in their mind. And then there's the white rabbit slash wonder bread, which is an unknown commodity transported by the orphanage. Kind of sounds like some kind of slang that some drug trafficking group would do or something. Yeah, that's that's kind of what jumped out in my mind. But then again, it could be any number of things. Yeah, that's that's true. So, I mean, basically, after Brian was spending all his time, all his free time devoted to learning about this mystery, he made a few deductions as to who he thought could possibly be behind these cryptic ads. So since this type of operation would involve a lot of planning and a lot of research, most likely some type of help or references from the outside, and finally just being able to buy all the ad space, because a full-page ad isn't cheap. So he thought that whoever is behind it must have been pretty well off financially. As I just mentioned, the full-page ads in the Wildcat aren't cheap. I heard it was between like 900 and over $1,000 per ad. And considering the pages have been published for decades, Brian thinks that the author would most likely be an older individual who either has a well-paying job or someone who has access to a large amount of just throwaway money. It's kind of, kind of painting the picture of somebody who is kind of rich and bored. I, mean, I guess those two qualities kind of go hand in hand together sometimes. Yeah, this is, could be the pro- side project of some like rich you know, yeah, this weird guy who has a lot of time and money on his hands and just decides he wants to start trolling people. Right. And that would also fit with the theory that, you know, it perhaps it started off when he was young, perhaps like a teenager, and the the codes were more simple. And as he grew and became more knowledgeable and learned more about history and stuff, they became far more complex. Yeah. So he could, as his knowledge grew, he could put even more and more obscure clues in each ad yeah so furthermore due to the incredible and confusing amount of complexity in the ads the responsible party must have an amazing depth and wide range of knowledge kind of like we were talking about maybe some like rich guy who just has nothing but time on his hands where he can just learn about a whole bunch of weird stuff i mean the cryptic puzzles kind of like what we were describing earlier they're just all over the place they include historical references symbology multiple languages, and a lot of mathematical equations. And the, the heavy amount of obscure historical information includes references to not really well-known historical figures, and including religious and philosophical individuals, along with knowledge of important historical items, occurrences, and events that basically span a wide range of time and correspond to locations all over the world. And the puzzles also have a very heavy history theme to them, but also very strong mathematical-based influences as well. 
So as we mentioned, they have I mean symbols and equations all over the place. They got physics, chemistry, binary encoding, it's just a whole lot of different math stuff in there. And the clues, so to speak, in the Mayday pages really seem to come in every single shape and form one could think of. And I mean it's kind of mind-boggling to think that perhaps just one person could be behind it all and basically knows where all these weird strings are leading to. Yeah, and not only that, but all the clues are actually pretty deeply interwoven in each other and reference each other. So it's it's an extremely complex network that's going on. And for this to have happened, essentially, it, it kind of implies to me that it must have kind of been planned out before it began. Or at least there's a large central theme running through the whole thing. Yeah, it's kind of like some author who's trying to plan like a huge seven novel series and kind of plants foreshadowing, you know, throughout it. Because it's like, I was kind of read the comments of some of the ads, and some people were saying like, oh, I think this one references the August 3rd, 1993 page. Guys, go check this out. Right. And just like a whole bunch of things that just kind of refer back to itself. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of, I can't really comprehend trying to solve this. Because you have to, each advertisement is just like one piece of a puzzle. And you have to take it all into account. Yeah. As we were saying, whoever was behind it would have had a lot of time on their hands to research all this stuff and to put it together. If indeed the codes are actually meaningful and comprehensive and not just random nonsense. However, as Brian has since had contact with whoever is supposedly responsible for the Mayday puzzles, he stands behind the statement that there is a deliberate and organized effort to construct this puzzle. Also, he believes that the Mayday mystery puzzles do have an eventual ending, and they're just not going on forever. So he himself strongly believes that the works are not that of just some random mentally challenged person or lunatic. At face value, most people seem to, based on what I've been reading, most people believe that to be exactly the case. That this individual is simply insane, but who who would devote 35 years of their life to such a strange game, and what would they have to gain from it? Um, the other interesting part is that he pictures the the pictures that we were discussing earlier come increasingly complicated over time and it's almost as if it started as simply a game and then perhaps as the publicity spread the pictures became you know significantly more intricate over the years so it's like oh this is actually kind of catching on maybe i'll take it up a notch um, only thing is, as we mentioned earlier, this person would have had to go a long time before receiving any sort of notification for his work. So I think it was 95 when the first one was actually really discovered. Yeah. And they started back in 1981. So it's like for somebody to go for 15 years, just waiting just for somebody to, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I don't, I mean, I certainly wouldn't have the patience to pull that off and just wait and wait and just hopefully one day will somebody will actually take notice of it see that to me indicates that it there's some sort of underlying purpose yeah yeah i can see that yeah because i mean either that or he's just i mean if it is like turns out to be like a prank or something i don't know i mean that's a lot of waste of time i don't know yeah. i guess some people are into that but Geez, if I try to prank somebody, I have to wait more than a few minutes or something. I already lose interest, so. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. I can't even hide in the closet for more than a couple of minutes before my wife walks in and it's like, <laughs> ah, forget it. 
Uh, I mean, speaking of, you know, Brian coming along in 95 and starting to piece this mystery together, Brian was trying to spread the word and perhaps find a solution, and he ended up starting a website dedicated to this so-called Mayday Mystery. And he would scan all the ads and that he could find and post them, so basically anybody can go look at them up. Maybe you can try to find the meaning behind them. If any of you listeners are interested, you can check out maydaymysteries.org and look at the text yourselves. You can go back decades. And you can also see the comments of people who are trying to decipher them. And like I mentioned, some people are pretty good at it. They were able to pick out little obscure clues and a lot more than I could do. I just look at it and it's just overwhelming. But uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are dedicating a lot of time to trying to figure this thing out. And as I mentioned earlier, a little while after Brian started this project, he and a few of the other big players who got involved trying to solve the mystery began apparently being contacted by the party behind the Mayday puzzles. And in their early email correspondence, the person or people, whoever it was, behind it made a few clarifications. These people insisted that the whole thing is not a game, but in effect does serve a purpose. There was apparently some sort of cause that they were following. And they also admitted that Brian and his partners were on the right track regarding some of the puzzles, but also mentioned that there were a number of large errors and missing portions that Brian had missed out on, as well as a few wrong assumptions from the start that they had. So my only question is, if it's not a game, then why is there some sort of monetary award to whoever solves the puzzle first? That just seems kind of... Yeah, that's true. If there's yeah, if there's some type of prize at the end of it, you'd think it's some I mean, kind of co- like competition, maybe. Or... Right. I feel like I'm on a game show trying to solve this. But anyways, after reading through a lot of the texts and clues, this mystery definitely gives off a secret society type of vibe to it. It reminds me of the episode we did on the Illuminati, because mm-hmm. you know Brian says in his website that he receives messages from the supposed author of all the cryptic messages that he translates as saying the day you can see the door you will be welcomed inside so this is coming from the the author to brian but it, it seems he has his, his work cut out for him for sure as there are literally millions of clues just adding to the mystery it's like never ending yeah so brian was actually able to find out who was placing the adverts in the paper and that the order is for the paper were coming from a local lawyer named Robert Truman Hungerford. However, when he was asked about the whole mystery, this man claims that he is only an intermediary, and he has no knowledge of what the mysteries are about, and is basically only working as a middleman between his secretive clients and the newspaper. Hungerford claims that he placed the ads for the organization, and that he does sympathize with their motivation but he won't confirm any sort of membership uh, to whatever group that it is or provide any information beyond that. However, there are plenty of people out there who think that this lawyer is either directly involved with this weird conspiracy game or is actually the one and only person behind the whole thing. I did a little Googling on the man trying to find out some more about him, and not much really pops up besides, obviously, this mystery and then a few articles that mention his name, and a, I guess a few cases that he worked in. Beyond the fact that he's a general practice lawyer in Tucson, Arizona, not a whole lot you can find out on him. Apparently Hungerford uh, has described himself as an antisocial hermit, 
and has dropped some hints and in interviews that he may just be some type of mentally ill person and that the writings to him are no doubt the ravings of a madman. Uh, I mean, to me, that's kind of a strange thing for a supposed impartial lawyer to say about the whole thing. But anyway, I mean, I'm guessing he might have just gotten tired of repeatedly being contacted about the Mayday Mysteries, or he's just a secretive, kind of weird, secluded individual by himself. I don't know. To me, red flags are kind of going off in, in his direction. It seems like he kind of seems like he was caught red-handed, but I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll kind of bring that up now as we kind of hit some of the discussion points is, I mean, who is the most likely person behind it all? So, like we mentioned earlier, like one of the theories is that all this very complicated, intricate stuff is all just the work of either a crazy person or a group of mentally challenged people or something. Uh, I mean, this as it doesn't make sense to basically anyone who's looking at it, some people have said it's just the works of a raving lunatic. And some people say, since that seems like the case, that sometimes the simplest explanation is usually the correct one. Perhaps, but I mean, without some sort of, I mean, if we're saying it's a, it's a crazed lunatic, then that would imply that he really doesn't have any tangible purpose behind all this action. And, you know, what? without a purpose, what would somebody have to gain from such a time-consuming adventure like this? So that's kind of where I get hung up. Plus, you know, I don't think most crazy people would have a lot of money and perhaps it's just like a, a bored wealthy guy, but who knows? Yeah. And considering how long this has been going on, you know, if there is some lunatic out there or some crazy person just locked in a room doing all this stuff, I mean, this has been going on for decades now, you know, like 30 years. That's kind of too long for, to me, it just seems that it's too long for some crazy person to continue this up. It does seem like it's more dedicated and planned out than just that. So beyond that, I thought maybe another theory could be maybe it's a local college fraternity or some other organization. Perhaps this is like a secret project behind or some kind of secret project that they are continually doing every year. I don't know what the purpose would be, but um, I'm just kind of trying to guess of who, what, it, what it could be. I kind of like this concept, and it really seems to fit the vibe um like i was saying earlier i get kind of a secret society sort of vibe in here and you know it it's pretty easy um for a fraternity on a small scale to get their brothers to swear an oath of secrecy so however you you know you'd also think it would eventually be leaked to a girlfriend or something who then becomes an ex-girlfriend who then spills the secret to the world. So if it is a fraternity or something, they've got to be a pretty tight-knit group of individuals. That's true, yeah. I mean, some I guess some guys really take that stuff seriously. I think my uncle still, had, a few years ago, we were talking about he was in a fraternity and still has a secret handshake, and we were trying to get him to show us his secret handshake, but he wouldn't, and it's been, you know... 30, 40 years since he was in college, but he still wouldn't give it up. So maybe there are some guys out there who are... True. But he has, uh, on the on the other hand, he has no motivation to share his handshake with you. Yeah, that's true. But who knows? Yeah. I guess soul-keeping with the local element to it, maybe like some kind of bored professor at the 
in the University of Arizona, maybe? So my only issue with this is that the correspondence's state is not necessarily a Tucson-centric thing, it's referring to Tucson, Arizona. So this is meaning it could potentially be much larger. However, he uses the words not necessarily. So I don't know. This could mean could mean any number of things. That's that's the issue. Is like there does seem to be a lot of local based stuff in the clues, but then at the same time there's stuff all over the world. So it's kind of hard to say whether the person behind it all really is located there in Arizona or just you know sending all this stuff in to that one paper for some odd reason. Right. And, you know, I mean, it could be a board professor. It could be a board anybody, basically. I mean, also, why would you point the finger at yourself at your local college if you're really trying to be secretive about it? Why not send it to be published in a newspaper somewhere totally random? Exactly. That's Yeah, it could be like some person in Asia and they just picked some one random American college paper to start doing this in or something. Yeah. Just throw off the whole trail. So continue on with the theories, another popular explanation is that it was the lawyer, Hungerford, who was behind it all. So some people say that he has been doing this all along, um, but maybe he is truly just the middleman. So I mean, it is known for a fact that he has been placing the ads for at least a decade, and possibly even longer than that. I personally, I just I find it kind of unlikely that he has absolutely no idea what is going on unless he is being paid a ridiculous amount of money to keep quiet about the whole thing. I just don't see why he would continuously do this without really knowing either the people behind it or the reason behind it. Well, he also seems to kind of fit the profile. I mean, he's a self-described anti, anti-social hermit and, you know, He's got this, this, these mysterious connections, and he kind of seems like he fits the description of somebody that would do something weird like this. I mean, he's a well-educated guy. He's probably somewhat aged, probably has a good amount of money to pull something like this off. Yeah, I think he was like 60, upper 60s. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, that, those are some of the red flags that were popping up for me. Yeah, it did definitely seem like an oddball and some of the few interviews that he he's done but so it's a possibility so one important factor that we've kind of mentioned is that there are some clear changes in style in the mayday ads as time goes on so to me this either means that there is one person behind it but you know since this has been going on for decades and decades as they get older their interests change their beliefs change you know, over all these years. But to me, it also thinks that maybe someone else took over at some point, you know, some kind of like master Padawan deal that the original guy got it started, taught one person kind of the direction it was going, and then they took it over. And that's why the newer ads kind of have a different feel and look than the older ones. That's reasonable. I don't think it's it's enough. I don't think it's enough to base that conclusion on because i mean you know times change so i mean why can't this guy's pictures change but i mean it's it's a reasonable explanation Uh, i guess the the biggest question of it all is does the mayday messages 
really have a meaning behind it at all. So is there an end prize? Is it all for some kind of cause? Or is it just all a silly game? Or I guess at the very worst, it's all just a big prank or hoax? I think, I don't know, I'd certainly like to assume that there's a bigger meaning behind it, but I think the reward in the safety deposit box just keeps leading me to the conclusion that it's really just a game. Yeah. Which would be pretty disappointing, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to know just what kind of prize is in that safety deposit box. I mean, it'd be funny if it was like a joke or something, like you open it up and it's just like, I don't know jack-in-the-box just springs up or it's just like a yeah. thumb, thumbs up sign or something or it's like a five dollar gift card or something right or like a note that says you just wasted half your life yeah that would be pretty cool but i don't know i can't think of a more unless the dude drops like a million dollars in there i don't really know what kind of prize really could be the best ending to this type of thing if it was real I think perhaps just the, the the real reward, the real prize is never knowing, and I don't think we ever will know. Yeah, I mean, maybe the hunt and the, the search is the prize behind it all. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And perhaps when you actually do get to this alleged uh, security lockbox, there's nothing inside it, just like we said, in which case that would be completely and utterly disappointing. But perhaps fitting, who knows? <laughs> I can see someone pulling that off. That's something I would do. Yeah. If I if I was actually behind it all, I would I would do like a middle finger like that. Right. <laughs> and at the end of it, I mean, some of you might have noticed that the entire time we've been discussing the Mayday mystery is we've been using the present tense when regarding this case. And that's because it is actually still going on to this day. So I mean, unlike some of the other cryptographic cases that we'll do further on, this is one that's still current, still ongoing, and there's still being there's still ads being published every year. There have been a couple done earlier this spring. You know, perhaps whenever this mystery has finally run its course, the person or people or group or whoever is behind it will finally come forward and explain the reason or purpose behind it all. But for now, this remains just a very active and interesting ongoing cryptographic mystery that people from all over the world are still trying to solve to this day. So that wraps up the Mayday Mystery. Um, this is part one of our cryptographic cases. Um, and part two for our Patreon supporters, we'll also be discussing the interesting cases of the Voynich Manuscript and also the Zodiac Killer. We hope you enjoyed listening to this first cryptographic case, just one of the many interesting coded mysteries out there that have still not been solved. If you have any feedback or comments about the mystery, please feel free to write to us at strangematterspodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com or send a message to us at our Facebook or Twitter. Also, you can visit our website, strangematterspodcast.com, to listen and download all of our episodes. And we finally ask that if you are listening to the podcast and you enjoy our show, uh, please take the time to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. It means a lot to us to get your feedback, and it also helps the podcast grow so we can always attract new listeners. So until the next episode of the Strange Matters podcast, take care, everybody. Take care.